Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high-performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Everything Early Childhood. My name is Lisa Brown and I'm your host from Platinum Education. And I am, um, this is probably the number one topic today that I get requests from um, to record an episode. And I can't believe we haven't recorded one already. And it's really interesting because it's something that comes so naturally to some people. But then to others, it's something that they have to really, really practice and really, really work on. Um, And it can get a little bit frustrating. But today I really want to go through and um, try as best I can to simplify critical reflection. So we're going to look at the difference between reflection and critical reflection We're going to look at some strategies that you can implement. We're going to look at why it's important and the documentation that backs up critical reflection. And we're also going to look at some activities um, that you can try with your team to practice um, because it's really important because, um, yeah, to some people, it's not something that does come naturally. So I hope you are all having a fabulous week wherever you are. Um, As you know, this is one of my favorite things to do to come to you each week and just share little bits and pieces. Um, And I love hearing from you all. So I hope you're all awesome, having an amazing week um, and we're ready to get started. So with critical reflection, it's the act of looking back. So it's what happened and thinking about how it can be improved. So it really is an essential part of learning, both for children and for us as educators. Now, critical reflection takes this process to the next level. It involves analysing, and evaluating the situation in depth and considering the implications of the situation. And then once we do that, we want to identify the areas for improvement. And I always say it isn't a matter of just critically reflecting. That's only the first stage. The second stage to critical reflection is what action we are taking and how we are going to put that into practice. So why is critical reflection important? So by critically reflecting on our practice, we can gain a deeper understanding of the complex nature of teaching and learning in early childhood education and care. This process allows us to challenge our own assumptions, biases and beliefs and to consider alternative perspectives and approaches to our own practice. It also helps us to identify and address areas of inequality and injustice that may be present in our service. So what happens is that um, as we're undertaking different experiences and throughout our practice, we all have our own beliefs, we all have our own values, we all have our own way that we were raised, so child rearing practices that we believe to be right or wrong or just a natural innate instinct because that is how we were raised. 
So what we need to do through critical reflection is really challenge those assumptions. So it gives us the opportunity to say, is this my own bias that I am acting this way or taking this step? Or is this actually what else could be possible? So it's really a a matter of, I almost look at it like you're stepping outside of yourself. You're looking at it from, um, I'm I'm putting my hands, I realize you can't see my hands, but um, it's like an umbrella approach. Like you're standing up above from a bird's eye view. You're looking over it. You're not in the situation. So we'll go through some examples. So One example of critical reflection can be found, of course, in theme two of the exceeding themes. So with these being introduced, theme two, critical reflection, it was really important that we are now critically reflecting on every single element. We need to show within our practice how this is informing the decision-making within our service. So how is our decision-making informed by critical reflection? So within theme two, this is directly from the guide to the National Quality Framework. So get that document out. And this is what it says. I'm going to read it to you. I know often we don't get times to sit down and read it. So I thought I would quote it um, just so that it's here, just so that you're listening. But absolutely, you can get that document out if you're a visual learner to um, have a read of that yourself. But theme two talks about critical reflection involves a deep level of regular and ongoing analysis questioning and thinking that goes beyond evaluation and review. Critical reflection informs practice when the continuous reflection of all educators individually and together influences decision-making and drives continuous quality improvement. Now, guidance from the Guide to the National Quality Framework says an overview, uh, so an overview, so critical reflection means continually thinking about questioning, analyzing and re-evaluating practice to identify where further improvements can be made for educators, children and families. What we aim to achieve with Exceeding Theme 2, engaging in critical reflection, is that it supports the service team to make well-informed decisions and plans to implement and evaluate carefully considered changes to their practice and to respond with integrity to complex situations and challenges. It also assists them to articulate the reasons for the decisions and practices and to be accountable to children, families, colleagues and communities for their choice of approaches. So it's really interesting that um, any decision we make should be informed by reputable sources, um, by critical reflection. And when we are critically reflecting, it's it's saying it's really important to take on the perspectives of everyone around us. And they can be some really complex and difficult situations and challenges, but just making sure that we're taking on different people's perspectives. So we want to continuously reflect on practice, which assists educators to become increasingly thoughtful about their work and motivated to explore new ideas and approaches. Reflective practice supports educators to continue their ongoing professional learning by further developing their knowledge, skills and practices. 
It also encourages them to stay focused on continuous quality improvement to improve outcomes for children. It goes on to say about the assessment indicators for exceeding theme two. So services may demonstrate exceeding level practice for standards in a variety of ways that suit their operating environment and approach to practice. The following list of indicators is designed to assist services and authorised officers to consider if practice reflects critical reflection as expected at the exceeding NQS level. So I'm going to go through the list and then I'll pop it up on socials so that you can um, have a copy of the list too. But this is directly from the guide to the National Quality Framework. So we want to make sure that practice is systematically and regularly reflected on and implications for further improvements and purposely identified and implemented Ongoing learning and quality improvements occur through a systematic cycle of inquiry. All members of the service team, as appropriate to their role and responsibilities, are aware of the influences of their practice and including the key theoretical perspectives identified in the approved learning frameworks and are able to describe how they draw on these in their work. They can identify personal, professional and organisational values in relation to practice. They are comfortable in raising concerns and challenging the way things are done with the expectation that their views will be valued and considered. They are meaningful, oh sorry, they are mindful of their responsibility to make ethical and informed decisions. Consider the social justice and equality implications of their practice and decision-making processes draw on diverse perspectives which are considered in relation to how they align with the service philosophy and the approved learning framework used at the service. They want reasons for decisions that result in changes to practice that are clearly understood by all and the service is responsive to issues, incidents, complaints or feedback and these inform ongoing quality improvement. So those are all of the areas um, and evidence that they look for and that are expected at an exceeding level when it comes to your exceeding theme to informed by critical reflection. So what I take from that is that everything that we're doing in our practice should be up for discussion. Um, that You know that quote that we, if it's always done that way, um, why? Like you always have to question the purpose, the meaning behind something. If something is not working just because it's been done that way for a really long time doesn't mean that it has to be done that way moving forward. I'm a real advocate in the sector right now that it's a time for transformation. And I think that we all need to um, undertake and undergo different layers of critical reflection on every single system and process that we have within our services to make these informed decisions about how we're going to move forward. Um, It's really important to make sure that you are documenting these conversations um, around critical reflection and have a systematic approach. Like that's my favorite word actually, systematically. But um, have a systematic approach to um, how you're going to implement this in your service. So in the guide as well, I'm not going to go through them, but there is a list of questions used by the authorized officer to establish exceeding NQS practice, exceeding theme two. Actually, you know what, I will. So 
is the service and these are something to think about so as you're driving as you're walking um, I don't want you to write these down because you can source these in fact I'll put them on socials but I really want you to think about these things and think about your service in this way when I ask the question think about is this something we're doing is this something we can do better in relation to critical reflection so the first one is is the service reflecting on its practice for this standard is it critical reflection? So critical reflection may involve robust, robust debate, reference theorists or current research or information from outside the service, incorporate social justice considerations, hypotheses te- or hypothesize, test and evaluate different approaches to doing things. Aid the service in responding to complex situations, challenges and expectations. Involve more than a repetition of events that occurred. Identifies underlying concepts of significance. The next question is, can decisions about practice at the service be linked back to critical reflection? And is this evident in observable practice? Last question. Have staff, educators, relevant to their roles and responsibility, shown, so evident with observation, a clear understanding of the reasons behind any changes to their practice or continuation of their current practice? Have they shown the ability to articulate what they are doing and why? Now, a tailored list of these reflective questions for services for each standard is included in the National Quality Standards. So these are some questions that the assessor may use to establish if a service is exceeding the NQS practice for um, critical reflection. So I think it's really crucial and really important. I think growing up, Critical reflection was something that came naturally um, to myself and I never realised why and just recently, um, I can't remember what it was about, I think literally it just, so during um, during COVID, I hosted trivia nights and after each after each trivia night, so I'd like, it was amazing, we had PowerPoint, we all logged on, we all just shared in all these questions, it was really fun and um, after every trivia night, I would have my dad call me and he would give me a um, like an overview of how I went. He would be like, yes, I think this worked very well, but I think this is where you could improve. And something else happened recently where like my mum did the same thing. She's like, yeah, I think you did a really great job, but do you want my feedback with how I think you could improve? And I realised that straight away my mum and my dad were just naturally like, you know, critically reflecting and and it just it jogged my memory that when I was younger um, I used to play um, like softball and netball so sports and after sport every Saturday the car ride home would be like (laughs) critically reflecting about how we went during the game and it was hilarious now that I think about it it's quite funny but that's where my mind naturally goes like every time I do something or every time I want to do something I think I want to do the best job I can at this so what do I need to know to do the best job I can and then afterwards I I I analyze it I'm like okay how did I go how did I think I went Um, what do I feel like I can do better where can I improve and then that informs my decisions with how I move forward in the future in relation to that because as we do things life 
work. It's all about trial and error. So where it talks about hypotheses and test and evaluate different approaches to doing things, it's really important to try different things. And it's not going to work every single time. We are only human. We're all human. But it's important to test these out. And if they work, do it again. If it doesn't work, then leave it. Try something else. We talk a lot um, in our sector. Well, I talk a lot in our sector about having a tool belt. So whether it's in relation to critical reflection, whether it's in relation to challenging behavior, whether it's in relation to just supporting our teams um, or just challenges that come up throughout the day, we have like this tool belt, this invisible tool belt that as you're starting in your career, you start to add these different tools into your tool belt in order to deal with different circumstances and situations that come up. And sometimes it's just trying different things. It works great. Add it to the tool belt. If it doesn't work, let it go. But I really want to encourage you and all services to look at all of their practice and all of their documentation. We have a really bad habit in early childhood with saying, oh, well, this service did really great. They shared on social media that they did this. Let's add this. Let's add that. Let's do this. But they had an assessor come in or an officer and they said they should do that. It doesn't mean that you need to. And if you can want to consider adding something to your practice before adding something, thinking about what you can also take away, what is not meaningful, what is not purposeful, what is not serving you, your team or your children any longer, what can you take away? So every time you add something, what can you take away? Is it meaningful? So really thinking about those questions. And I always joke that critical reflection is thinking about thinking. And for all of my overthinkers out there, we do this amazingly well. Um, But what we do need to work on is that action. What action are we going to take? and documenting um, that process. Now, critical reflection is also in EYLF. So in EYLF 2.0, they started, um, it just got a little bit of a rewording. So we had some principles added. So it moved from principle five to now principle seven in the EYLF 2.0. And now it talks about engage in critical reflection and professional learning. So you'll see that on pages 18 and 19 of the new version two EYLF. And it talks about, um, there's a whole page on it. So you can have a look at that and we'll share that. But just an excerpt out of the document, it talks about reflection involves educators thinking intentionally about their own and others' practices with certain aims or goals in mind. Critical reflection is a meaning-making process that involves deeper level of thinking and evaluation. It requires engagement with diverse perspectives such as philosophy, theory, ethics and practice and then evaluating these contexts leading to pedagogical decisions and actions that are transformative. Um, As professionals, educators collaboratively explore, identify and evaluate diverse perspectives with respect to their own settings and context. So again, it needs to relate to your setting and context. This is why the EYLF is so broad. This is why our national quality standards are so broad because it needs to relate to you, your setting and your community. So in this way, Um, Critical reflection informs future practice in ways that demonstrate an understanding of each child's learning, 
development and well-being and have implications for equality and social justice. So a robust culture of critical reflection is established when educators as a team, as well as children and families, are all involved in an ongoing cycle of review. Current practices are examined, outcomes of those practices are evaluated and new ideas are generated, tried and tested. So life is all just an experiment. And what I love about critical reflection so much is that I feel like it's so closely linked with a growth mindset because in order to critically reflect well, one, we have to be open to receiving that critical feedback, whether it's about us, whether it's giving it to somebody else. So receiving that critical feedback that perhaps we're not perfect and we can do something better or different. And so we have to be open to that, open-minded. In order to grow, we have to be open to receiving that feedback. And two, We have to, um, so your growth mindset is all about thinking about how you can improve. So once you've got that open mind and you're taking on that feedback, it's then thinking about, okay, well, what else can we do? And actually consulting with all of your stakeholders, everyone around you, children, families, your team, to get all of those different perspectives. It is so beautiful that we are in a profession where we have so many beautiful and amazing minds around us. So it's really important to utilize those minds, make sure that everyone feels heard. You never know where your next amazing idea is going to come from. And there's no better feeling than saying, oh yeah, that's such a great idea. I never would have thought of that. But if you're not open to taking on different people's ideas or you're not asking, then you'll never hear that and you'll never um, experience that that feeling. So now that we've talked about what it is, where where it's located, how our research and documentation back up that critical reflection, when do we need to reflect? So reflection is important at all stages of learning, of the learning process. So whether it's critical reflection or you are just learning or studying, it's a really important process. So from planning and implementing activities to evaluating their effectiveness, educators need to be able to reflect on their program and their practice and make adjustments as necessary to better meet the needs of children in their care. So as you become more experienced, you'll be able to do this on the spot. Um, So you might notice that, um, and I've seen it over and over again, breaks my heart. I've had it happen to me many, many times. Um, You set up this amazing experience, like you're so excited. You even come in early and you set up this beautiful um, experience. And then the children come in And one, they either don't even go near it um, or they just do it for one second, um, make a mess, throw everything everywhere and move away. It's devastating. You put so much effort. But that is life. That is kids. That is really just being able to adapt in the moment and really looking at saying, okay, well, it's not working. We can have all good intentions and all good plans, but we can never predict and never. um, And that's why we say don't choose learning outcomes um, until you 
until you have um, actually completed the experience because we don't know what children are going to learn. We can have intentions and we can set provocations, but we we have no idea what's going to come from this experience. And that is the beauty of what we do. So again, building up those tools in that tool belt to be able to adjust um, and be flexible to those experiences. So if we have the, so making adjustments as we need to and as necessary, but if you're starting out in your practice and you find that you're finding that you're, um, you're, and you're sorry, <laughs> my phone's ringing, um, and you're finding that you are, um, yeah, you're struggling in the moment, it doesn't go according to plan, you're getting quite stressed, that's okay. Just think, what can I do to adjust this? If you're not sure, like you just go with it, see where the children take it, but it's okay. After the fact, think about and sit with your mentor in your service and say, you know, what can I do differently? Like this didn't work. Why do you think this didn't work? And really break it down and go through. So then that for your learning and your practice, you know, for next time, what you can do differently. So now that we've talked about, so we need to reflect again, just to repeat on our program and on our practice. It's really important for our own growth and development that we work on how we can be a better educator and a better person in life. It's all about growing and learning. How do we critically reflect? So one strategy um, is use a structured approach. Um, So it's the four R's of reflection. So record, respond, relate and reconceptualize. So you can use the four R's. So this process includes recording the situation, responding with empathy and understanding and relating the situation to broader context and reconceptualizing the situation in light of new insights. Um, It's also important to document your process of reflection. So this allows educators to track their progress and identify areas for future growth. Um, Tips for documenting, including using um, potentially a reflective journal. Um, You might want to create mind maps around it or diagrams. You might simply want to jot some notes down um, as you reflect on your practice. So it doesn't have to be complicated. Critical reflection does not need to be complicated. So here are some steps that you can follow. You don't need to do all of these steps. As I said, the most important thing is to think about the thinking, think about what happened, think about the situation, the challenge. Is this currently working? What can we do differently? Get all that research, get all of those um, reputable sources, seek help, seek advice from others, um, professionals around that topic, and then let it inform your practice. Get feedback from others, let it inform your practice with how you're going to then improve and then reflect on that as well. So these are some steps that you can follow for critical reflection. So the first one is describe the situation. So begin by describing the situation or experience that you want to reflect on. So this may involve recalling the event that occurred, including the context, people involved and any relevant details. So just telling the story, what happened, describing the situation. The next one is to analyze the situation. So analyze the situation in depth. So this involves asking critical questions about the experience, such as what happened, why did it happen, what worked well, what could have been done differently, 
And what were the implications of this experience? So those are some great questions to guide that analysis of the situation. Number three is to identify any biases or assumptions. So we want to reflect on our own biases, assumptions and beliefs that may have influenced any actions and decisions in the situation. We need to make sure that we consider how these biases may have impacted the experience and how they may need to be addressed in the future. So again, that growth mindset thinking and taking all of our, um, you know, just sort of letting that wall and that guard down, being vulnerable, look, this could have impacted the decision making like why do we think children need to sit on the mat why did this incident occur during this time when the children were um, you know jumping around on their beds like kangaroos for 40 minutes because they couldn't get off their beds and do an activity because an educator believed that they should have a rest like we need to just really jump and really consider all of these assumptions um, and biases that we have but I think the biggest one is usually around um, supporting children with their emotions so often we call this um, you know supporting children with challenging behaviors but behaviors are just a need that's their alarm bells going ding 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 like they need something so what is it that they need and it's not about us it's about them but what we need to control we need to be the adult in that situation in order to work out what it is that they need from us and to help them understand these big emotions and navigate these big emotions Um, number four is to consider alternative perspectives so they need to consider alternative perspectives or approaches to the situation so this may include seeking input from others involved in the experience or consulting relevant research or literature Number five is to identify areas for improvement. So we identify the areas for improvement in our practice. This may involve setting goals or developing an action plan for how how to address the issues identified through critical reflection. And then of course, number six, the most important is to finally take action on the insights. So gain through critical reflection. So this may involve implementing changes to your practice seeking additional support or resources or engaging in ongoing critical reflection to continue improving your practice. So overall, critical reflection involves a deep analysis of experience and practices, the identification of underlying biases and assumptions and a commitment to ongoing learning and improvement. So by engaging in critical reflection, us as early childhood educators, we can enhance our practice and better meet the needs of the children within our care. So there are several different activities that I really want to encourage teams that they can introduce to practice the skill of critical reflection. For those people, and I was one of these people, who critical reflection comes really naturally Um, We don't understand how it doesn't for some people, but it doesn't. So what we need to do is have these um, games, activities um, to be for them to be able to practice doing this. So here are five different things that you can do with your teams um, to practice critically reflecting. So the first one is a case study. So teams can discuss and analyze case studies that highlight complex situations in early childhood education and care. So they use the four R's of reflection. Um, So record, respond, relate and reconceptualize to critically reflect on the case study and identifies areas for improvement. So sometimes people are better at practicing critical reflection at 
first when it's not about them. So this is a really good first step to work with your teams around critical reflection. The second one is a group reflection. So teams can engage in group reflection sessions where they discuss recent experiences, successes and challenges in their practice. So this allows team members to share their perspectives, identify any patterns and collectively brainstorm solutions to common problems. So really great teams have a group reflection every single week for their room, for their space. Um, It really brings teams together, allows them to collaborate, allows every voice to be heard. And it's a really open forum, what should be an open forum for people to be able to um, raise and voice anything that hasn't been working throughout the week. Um, And there's no, you know, we should never take things personally. It's never about one person. And, and so, and also when we're um, communicating something that can be improved, it's not about one person. It's about a collective, that group with how we can make it better for the children within our care and also as a team. Sometimes there's practices and um, behavior, let's call it, (laughs) um, that happens within services that makes it really uncomfortable for um, other team members and it's, I think it's also important to critically reflect with your team around like we do an exercise and we encourage services to do exercise. It's called Ten Commandments. And it's really about thinking about what Ten Commandments would you want in your team so that if somebody in your team does something that's against those commandments, you could say you all agreed to these. You all made these up because this is what being in a team environment um, is like. The third exercise is observation and feedback. This is hard. Um, I I recall like different times in my um, career where I have had this happen. So um, when I was doing my university degree and I was doing my internship um, in the classroom, um, I'm also primary trained, so early childhood and primary trained. And um, so when I was doing my internship at the primary school, I remember that you had to actually, so the first step was to record yourself teaching. So you had to do a video of yourself teaching. It was so confronting. Um, And then you had to watch it and critically reflect on your teaching and give yourself feedback. The next step in that was to actually have your mentor, uh, mentoring teacher, watch you and give you feedback oh it was awful I remember but it was so helpful because we only know what we know we need somebody else to give us that constructive feedback but again remember it is constructive and it is feedback so you may not want to take that on board and that's okay it is their opinion and that's fine but of course if it is you want to make sure that if it is helpful it's something that you then incorporate into your practice The next time that I had this happen was only recently, like a couple of years ago, Um, we were undertaking a professional development around um, speech and learning for children. And um, part of it, it was like a seven-week course. And each time we learned a different part of um, the module, it was an incredible course. We learned so much. Um, But as we completed each part of the course, we then had to film ourselves implementing that with the children. And then we would sit with our teacher, so who was a speech pathologist, and um, we would go through and give feedback about how we found it and she would give feedback about how we presented that in our practice with that child. This was completely different because this was – 
out of our comfort zone of, of teaching and um, engaging and interacting with children because yeah, it's just so many concepts of speech and language is so different to what we've learned um, in our practice. But anyway, my point is be open to receiving that feedback. It's really, it, it can be really challenging or not so easy um, as Di Brown likes to say, but teams can observe each other's practice and provide constructive feedback using a critical reflection lens. So this can help team members identify any blind spots, biases and assumptions in their practice and develop new insights for improvement. So we use this a lot in relation to environments. So we will take the team, so just on a team meeting night, we will take them around and we will look at each other's environments and then they can offer any feedback, um, any constructive feedback around the environments and how they can improve. The more you do this, the more that you stretch that muscle of being open to receiving and open to giving kind, constructive feedback, the more that your team will be open um, to receiving it as well. It goes both ways. The next one is professional development. So teams can attend professional development sessions that focus on critical reflection skills. This can provide them with a new tool and strategies for critically reflecting on their practice. Five is role-playing. So teams can engage in role-playing exercise where they act out different scenarios and practice critically reflecting on their responses. So this can help team members develop their critical thinking skills and enhance their ability to reflect on their practice in the moment. Now, another bonus one is that you literally, and the way I like to use it in practice, is that I'll just get an article, um, whether it's something that's controversial, whether it's something that's true, you do want to make sure that you do back it up with um, reputable sources after, but sometimes it's good to get those um, controversial sort of articles out really to challenge people's perspectives and ideas. It doesn't mean that it's wrong or right. It is just your perception, your um, judgment, your opinion. And it's really great to be able to get different people's perspectives. So we encourage services to have like an A3 um, book, you know, those art books, black, black cover, yeah, the art portfolios, you know what I mean. Um, in there, just put it in the staff room and in there have a different article. Think about something that's relevant to your service. So we've been talking a lot and if you have not, one of my favourite, favourite episodes is about maximising transitions. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. Um, it's really important that we really maximise those times in between transitions. The reason I say that now is because that is is one of the things that we recommend in services if you find that your routine is not working well that it's chaotic really take a step back break it all the way down and perhaps critically reflect on one part of the day which may be meal times so you may talk about progressive meals whole group like what are people's thoughts what are people's perspectives and um, how is research going to inform our practice moving forward when we when we inform decision-making through critical reflection and that proper process of critical reflection, which is everyone's obviously perspectives are considered, 
it allows people to see where those decisions have come from and how you came to make those decisions. So people are more likely to come on board rather than you just making a decision because you know it's best practice. They don't get it. They don't understand. So it's really important to take it back to the research, take it back to the basics, get everyone's perspectives. There is no right or wrong. You know, you Google something and depending on what you've Googled before, that will come up. Going in, I encourage you, going incognito. I only just learned what that was, by the way. Um, go incognito in your browser and you'll be so shocked what comes up. Um, because Google knows us, Facebook knows us. It only sends us things we know we're interested in um, and read. But I really make it my mission because I have to understand the full picture. And again, critical reflection is something that just been doing since I was a child. Um is to have like the full picture. So I make sure I look at both perspectives and then make an informed decision. And that is what we need to start documenting in our services. And that is what critical reflection is all about. So practicing critical reflection as a team can really help improve communication, collaboration and problem solving skills, obviously leading to better outcomes for children and families, which is our goal. So in conclusion, Critical reflection is important in early childhood and education and care because it allows us to gain a deeper understanding of our practice. It challenges our assumptions and biases and it identifies areas for improvement. So it also links very closely with our quality improvement plan. So by critically reflecting on our practice, we can continually strive to better meet the needs of the children in our care and continually grow and improve ourselves in our profession and, of course, in our life. So just before I finish up, I just want to share, um, there's a little article from, um, it's from Asequa and I'll share it on the Facebook page. It's a really great um, critical reflection one pager and it talks about um, what is critical reflection Now, something I didn't mention, obviously, as we were going through was the national quality standard that it relates to. So, of course, it's relating to 1.3.2, which is critical reflection. And it says critical reflection on children's learning and development, both as individuals and in groups, drives program planning and implementation. So not only are we doing this as part of our practice and the exceeding theme, so theme two, we're also doing this and this is really crucial to drive the program um, and practice within our service. So this um, this one page just has like critical reflection is, what it is, part of each one. So looking in detail um, and creatively asking key questions such as exploration of feelings, a tool for professional development, um, a process that usually has taken place um, after the decision practice has occurred, done individually or in a group, used to enhance our professional practice, used to strengthen our program, a continuous process for engagement and done in our daily diaries, reflective journals and meetings and reflection sessions. So again, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't do too much. Don't overwhelm yourselves. We have a habit. We just um, have just jam-packed everything that we're doing. And I always think I walk into services and I, I, you know, it's really looking at what purpose is this serving? Again, if there is no purpose, there is no point. So really look at what you're doing and how you can incorporate that better within what you're already doing. 
Well, that's it from me today. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. It is one that has been requested um, over and over again. So get critically reflecting. Um, If you need help, let me know. I'm always here to support you guys. Um, Otherwise, have an amazing week. Keep making every moment count and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.